this morning. Thank you, Tim. Show of hands. Just show me your hands. Very good. That's good. I like that. Getting you involved already. Uh, you have experienced this, okay? You're, you're in a room. There's somebody else across the room, and maybe you've got a kid or a pet in the middle of you. And that kid or the pet starts doing something silly, right? Something, I mean, maybe it's not even silly. Maybe the, the child's walking for the first time, so it's something, you know, serious. Or maybe the, the pet is laying on its back, chewing a bone crazy. Well, whatever it is, you're on one side of the room, your family member, your friends on the other side of the room, they're not paying attention to what's going on that's funny in the middle of the room, and you're trying to get their attention without yelling out, hey, you, you ever experienced that? Okay, so, I mean, you're doing things like, you know, because you don't, if the child's walking for the first time, you don't want to distract the child, right? No, or, or if the dog's doing funny, you don't want to say something that's going to distract the, dad, the dog to make it stop. So, you know, you're waving, maybe you're snapping something, jumping up and down. Now, there's something humorous and something just frustrating about that moment, all right? Because you're doing all you can to get their attention without yelling out, and yet they're just not paying attention to you. Maybe they're on their phone, or they're watching TV, or they're just zoned out in Never Never Land. You've experienced this, yes, show of hands? I told you we're going to get involved. Okay, very good. So it's humorous that way, but it's frustrating, because no matter what you do, you just can't get their attention. I wonder if God ever feels that way with us. Oh, man. I wonder if God ever feels that way with us, right? Maybe we are so focused on something else, maybe good things, right? He's trying to get our attention, but for some reason, he just can't. And, you know, sure, he could yell, hey, you, but trying in different ways. Today we start a series, short series, titled, Hey, You. I think we've got the, the, the picture up on the screen. Do I, do I have your attention? We're going to look at a few ways that God has tried to get people's attention in the past. Before we do, let me pray. Father, would you be present? I know I've already asked that, and I know that's already uh, true. But would your presence be felt? Um, as we look at ways that you've communicated with your people in the past, would you open our eyes to see ways you may be communicating with us today? I ask this in Jesus' name. Amen. All right, we're going to go to four different passages. We're going to start in Daniel chapter 5, if you want to grab your Bibles and go ahead and turn there. A couple of months back, we asked you guys for ideas for sermon series. We had these two weeks where we weren't going to be doing our catechumenate, which is a big fancy word for what we've been doing the entire uh, year so far, studying the basics of our faith. So we've got two weeks here and then one day in September where we're not doing that. And I said, hey, what, what do you guys want to study? And uh, he came back with uh, a few good answers, uh, no bad answers, let me, let me clarify that. Only a few people, <laughs> whoo, Tim, can you sing? <laughs> Going to be one of those mornings. You came back, all your answers that you gave me were good, there wasn't too many of them, uh, but this, this morning's series, this week and next week, stems out of one of those suggestions. One of those suggestions was, let's look at some of the un unorthodox ways that God spoke in the past. That God got his people's attention in the past. So that's how this series kind of came to be. Now before I go on, I want to be very cautious and, cautious and careful to tell you that just because I'm looking at these today doesn't mean that I'm saying this is how God is definitely communicating today. Okay? I'm asking the question, 
Is God trying to get our attention? The answer to that is yes, but how is going to be an unanswered question that I'll leave unanswered through the rest of this service. All right? Over the last couple of years, I've had some people come to me and ask questions with the most heartfelt desire for an answer. Questions like, Pastor, do you think God sent the pandemic on purpose? Pastor, is global warming God's way of punishing us for not caring for his creation? Pastor, what do you think? Is this, uh, this political person or this church leader trying to, trying to get our attention for, for God? Or James, are, are tornadoes and hurricanes and fires, is this God's way of waving his arms at us, trying to, trying to get our attention? Right, I've had these questions asked over the last couple of years, and I want to tell you something. I don't know. And I'm okay with that. All right? Yeah, we can clap for that. I don't know. If anybody ever stands in the front and just is 100% confident all the time, go find another church. Okay? I don't know if that is how God is working. Could it be? Potentially. God has worked in some crazy ways in the past. All right, we're going to look at four of those ways today. Actually, four and then a fifth. The first is this. I read Daniel this last week. It's just kind of part of where I was reading. And I was reminded of some of our familiar uh, known stories, right? Daniel and the lion's den. We know that one. Go ahead and nod. Okay, Shadrach, Meshach, and Abednego. I referenced that earlier. So you know that one too. But in Daniel 5, I was reminded of a story of a way God got somebody's attention who hadn't been paying attention to him at all. Okay, so Daniel chapter 5, this is the story beginning in, chapter, in verse 1. Many years later, King Belshazzar gave a great feast for a thousand of his nobles, and he drank wine with them. While Belshazzar was drinking the wine, he gave orders to bring in the gold and silver cups that his predecessor, Nebuchadnezzar, had taken from the temple in Jerusalem. He wanted to drink from them with his nobles, his wives, and his concubines. So they brought these gold cups taken from the temple, the house of God in Jerusalem, and the king and his nobles and his wives and his concubines drank from them. Now while they drank from them, they praised their idols made of gold, silver, bronze, iron, wood, and stone. You picture what's going on? Really big party is going on. A long party, lots of people, and they're drinking from God's special cups. And they're doing so while worshiping their own idols. That, that does not make God very happy. Okay? We can agree on that. God's not pleased with that. So this is what happens. Suddenly, verse 5, they saw the fingers of a human hand writing on the plaster wall of the king's palace near the lampstand. The king himself saw the hand as it wrote, and his face turned pale with fright. His knees knocked together in fear, and his legs gave way beneath him. Wow. Of course, the king called all of his wise men, his magicians, all of his sorcerers, and said, what does it mean? And nobody could tell him what it meant, which didn't bode well for him. Verse 9, so the king grew even more alarmed, and his face turned pale. His nobles, too, were shaken. Well, Daniel comes in, right? They, they summon him, and Daniel tells the king, hey, this is what it means, right? And you can read that story in its entirety. This is what it means. You know, your days are numbered as king, and it ended up that night he ended up passing away. But before that happened, Daniel said to the king, God's tried to get your attention in the past. You know the stories of what took place behind you, but you didn't pay attention to them. And you did not humble yourself. God tried to get a hold of you in the conventional means, but instead it took something pretty fanatical to get his attention. Here's a question. 
Show of hands, how many of you have seen a human hand writing on a wall? Not me neither. Could God still do that today? Yes. Has he? I don't think so, because it probably would have broke the internet. Right? Now, you look online, you see sometimes this piece of toast comes up with burnt marks that look like Jesus. I don't know if that's the same thing as what took place in the story of Daniel. All right? Again, going simple today. Not diving any deeper than that. Could God write with a hand on a wall? Absolutely. But I don't think he has recently. Go and flip back in your Bibles to Numbers chapter 22. All right, we're going to look at another way God used, kind of outside the box, unorthodox ways of communicating with somebody through a talking animal. Some of you know this story. All right, the Israelites were in their earliest stages of their freedom story from Egypt. God had set them free. They were wandering different places, and this big mass of Israelites was headed towards the country of Moab. And the king of Moab got scared. He thought they were going to come and attack him. So he sent for a guy named Balaam. And he said to Balaam, anything you say happens, right? So Numbers chapter 22, verse 6. He says, I know the blessings fall on any people that you bless and curses fall on people that you curse. So would you come and curse these Israelites the king of Moab wanted? Well, Balaam, who was believed was not an Israelite, had a meeting with God. Or God had a meeting with him, if you want to call it like that. And God told him, don't go and curse the Israelites. Fair enough. Balaam gets up next day, tells the entourage from Moab, I'm not going to go with you. I'm not going to curse the Israelites. You guys go back to your king. They go back, tell the king that. King wasn't too pleased with his response, so he sent them back again to beg for more. Like, please come. And this is where the story is both humorous and confusing. You'll see why. Okay? Um, Numbers chapter 22, starting in verse 20. So this is the second time that God visits Balaam. That night... God came to Balaam again and told him, Since these men have come for you, get up and go with them. But only do what I tell you to do. Sounds fair enough. So the next morning it says, Balaam got up, saddled his donkey, and started off with the Moabite officials. But God was angry that Balaam was going. That's where I get confusing. Okay? God told him to go, but then God gets angry. If we can overlook that part and just allow ourselves to be confused, then we can keep going with the story. Okay, so God was angry that Balaam was going, so he sent the angel of the Lord to stand in the road and block his way. As Balaam and two servants were riding along, Balaam's donkey saw the angel of the Lord standing in the road with a drawn sword in hand. The donkey bolted off the road into a field, but Balaam beat it and turned it back onto the road. Verse 24, then the angel of the Lord stood at a place where the road narrowed between two vineyard walls. When the donkey saw the angel of the Lord, it tried to squeeze by, and it crushed Balaam's foot against the wall, so Balaam beat the donkey again. Then the angel of the Lord stood in a place too narrow for the donkey to get by at all. This time, when the donkey saw the angel, it lay down under Balaam. In a fit of rage, what did Balaam do? Beat the donkey again. Right? Beat the animal with the staff. Now, from our vantage point, however many hundreds of years later, it's pretty evident that God's trying to get Balaam's attention. Right? But that's our vantage point. God had to use an unorthodox means to get Balaam's attention. Next verse, verse 28. Then the Lord gave the donkey the ability to speak. <laughs> what have I done to you that deserves your beating me three times, it asked Balaam. 
Well, you have made me look like a fool, Balaam shouted. Did Balaam not even stop to think, why is this donkey talking to me? Do you see how quick he retorted that? There was no like, what? It's just like, you made me look like a fool. <laughs> oh, goodness, you made me look like a fool, Balaam shouted. If I had a sword with me, I would kill you. But, the, but, but I'm the same donkey you have ridden all your life, the donkey answered. Have I ever done anything like this before? Is he, is he like talking about talking or laying down? <laughs> Have I ever done anything like this before? No, Balaam admitted. <laughs> Can you imagine Balaam going home and having a conversation with his wife? <laughs> Talk to my donkey today. <laughs> his wife might, okay. Verse 31. Then the Lord opened Balaam's eyes and he saw the angel of the Lord standing in the roadway with a drawn sword in hand. Balaam bowed his head, fell face down on the ground before him. All right, to make a long story short, Balaam did not curse the Israelites. He blessed them. Show of hands. Any of you seen any talking animals lately? I saw a talking donkey once. 2001, Shrek. That donkey was funny. But that's Disney, right? Oh, sorry. My bad. <laughs> DreamWorks. Very good. Very good. That's DreamWorks. That's, that's, <laughs> that's awesome. Could God still use animals talking to get our attention? Sure. Has he? Not that we know of, again, because it probably would have went viral on the internet. All right? So, so far, a couple of really far-fetched ways that God's gotten a hold of his people's attention. Now I want to move into another one that I want to be sensitive with because this hits really close to home to what we're, what we're looking at right now. The question was asked, is God using a pandemic to communicate with us, to, to get our attention? And I want to be very clear. I am not standing up here saying I know one way or the other. And I'm not standing up here saying God caused this. The question is, could he use this to get our attention? Well, I don't know, right? But God has used plagues and pestilence in the past to get his people's attention. Early in the Israelite history, God was laying out the blessings for obedience and the curses for disobedience. One of those curses was a plague. Leviticus chapter uh, 26, verse 25. A different time, God was speaking through another prophet, Jeremiah, about there being no rescue for the Israelites from Babylon after their captivity. And God said this in Jeremiah 21, verse 5 and 6. I myself will fight against you with a strong hand and a powerful arm, for I'm very angry. You have made me furious. I will send a terrible plague upon the city, and both people and animals will die. Another prophet, another time. Prophet Ezekiel, explaining Jerusalem's fall to invaders, said this. Ezekiel chapter 33, verse 27. God said, say to them, say to the people, this is what the sovereign Lord says. As surely as I live, those living in the ruins will die by the sword, and I will send wild animals to eat those living in the open fields. Those hiding in the forts and caves will die of disease. There was another time King David took an uh, ill-advised census. God wasn't pleased, so God sent a plague that killed 70,000 Israelites. That's 2 Samuel chapter 4, 24. Are you seeing a pattern here? In, in here? 
Are you seeing that God has used plagues in the past to get his people's attention? I'm not saying that he is today. I'm just saying that's in here. Now, I mentioned that Solomon earlier in the call to worship and his prayer of dedication of the temple. Usually when we're talking about that passage, we, we talk about 2 Chronicles chapter 7, verse 14. We, we know this verse and we like it. Then if my people, who are called by my name, will humble themselves and pray and seek my face and turn from their wicked ways, I will hear from heaven and will forgive their sins and restore their lands. We, we know that, right? Some of you probably could have quoted that. We, we like that passage. But do you know what comes right before it? Verses 12 and 13, right before. Then one night the Lord appeared to Solomon and said, I have heard your prayer and have chosen this temple as a place for making sacrifices. At times I might shut up the heavens so that no rain falls or command grasshoppers to devour your crops or send plagues among you. Is God trying to get our attention through a pandemic? I don't know. He's done that in the past. Are we listening? One more. One more example. Go ahead and flip over to 1 Kings chapter 19 if you are following along in your Bible. A lot of us know this story as well. It's the time God got Elijah's attention on Mount Sinai. If you don't remember the story, Elijah had just had this, this epic battle with the opponent religious leaders, and he killed a whole bunch of them, and then he fled for his life from Mount Carmel to Mount Sinai. And this is where we pick up the story. 1 Kings 19, verse 9 and 10. Then Elijah came to a cave where he spent the night. But the Lord said to him, what are you doing here? And Elijah replied, I have zealously served the Lord God Almighty. But the people of Israel has broken their covenant with you, torn down your altars, and killed every one of your prophets. I am the only one left, and now they're trying to kill me too. I'm sure you've heard sermons on this. You know that what's taking place is Elijah's having a little bit of a pity party. Because there are a lot more people that are still following God. He's just, you know, he's kind of moping around. So what does God do to get his attention? We know the story. Verse 11 and 12. Go out and stand before me on the mountain, the Lord told him. And as Elijah stood there, the Lord passed by, and a mighty windstorm hit the mountain. It was such a terrible blast that the rocks were torn loose, but the Lord was not in the wind. After the wind, there was an earthquake, but the Lord was not in the earthquake. After the earthquake, there was a fire, but the Lord was not in the fire. And after the fire, there was the sound of a gentle whisper which we know the story God then communicates with Elijah through the gentle whisper. I don't think I'd be too far out of line to say that in our region, maybe our country, maybe even the world, we have seen an uptick in windstorms, earthquakes, fires, right? We now live in Spokane, Washington, which has five seasons of the year, winter, spring, summer, fire, and fall. We've seen, I mean, you, some, of you aren't, some of you are watching online today because the smoke was so bad you couldn't, you couldn't come out. So is God trying to get our attention through some of these things? I don't know. But if he is, will we be listening for the whisper? And how about this? What if he has already whispered? What if he's not up there waving his hands, but has said, I have already spoke? 
Do I have your attention? I think so often when we think about God getting our attention, it's because we think we're in trouble, right? When a parent says to a kid or when a spouse says to a spouse, hey, we need to talk, first response is always, oh, no, what did I do, right? When God's trying to get our attention, I wonder if how often that's our first response. What if we switched that? Instead of that being our first response of, oh, no, what did I do to, oh, wow. God's getting my attention because he loves me. And he's already proven that. Not, I'm in trouble, but God loves me. I was thinking through the best way to wrap up a message like this because you, you, some of you may be okay with me saying, I, I don't know a lot, and I'm perfectly good with it. But I figured the best way to wrap up this message is just a tangible reminder of God getting our attention with his love through sacrificing his life. I mean, you talk about an outside-the-box way to get somebody's attention, an unorthodox way. I love you so much, I'm going to lay down my life for you. That's outside the box. So we're going to take communion today. We're going to be reminded that there was no waving of hands, right? Jesus just outstretched his hand. There was no yelling. Scripture tells us that he was silent like a lamb going to slaughter. There was no jumping up and down. Jesus just allowed himself to be turned over. And with his actions on the cross, he was saying, Hey, you, I love you. Hey, you, I love you. I'm going to have Tim come on up. And what I would love to, for us to do is just have some time of quiet and of reflection. You know, we're looking at unorthodox ways that God has gotten his people's attention in the past. And it may be that, you know, we're not seeing writing on a wall or a talking donkey or uh, some of the other examples. Maybe God has tried to get your attention in a different way, and we just haven't recognized it. Or maybe we saw it and thought, huh, that's kind of interesting. So we're going to spend just a little time thinking back over the last couple of days, maybe the last week, maybe the last year. And if you think of a way that God was trying to get your attention, thank him for whatever method he used. And then when you're done with that, spend some time just preparing your heart for communion. We want to go into this in the right heart place. Uh, you don't have to be a member with us to take communion. All are welcome at the table, uh, which we don't even have it set at the table. It's in the chairs in front of you. So at some point, go ahead and grab that. If you need help grabbing it, those that are in the front row, it's actually right next to the, uh, the, the leg in front. If you need help grabbing it, just look at your neighbor and see if they can help you out. But... We're going to spend just a few minutes uh, quiet, reflecting, seeing if there's ways God has tried to get your attention, and then thanking him for those ways, and then preparing our heart for communion. After that, I'll, uh, I'll come back up and lead us in this time.
Father, this morning we uh, recognize that oftentimes we are distracted. There are probably many times where you are trying to get our attention and you just can't because our focus is somewhere else. We ask your forgiveness for those times. We thank you for your persistent pursuit of us. We thank you that you never let go. I've been the theme this morning is you constantly with us. And we're grateful for that. Lord, I'm grateful for the ways that you have made it obvious that you want me to listen. And I'm grateful for the ways that uh, it's been a little less obvious. Oftentimes your son would say, he who has ears to hear, let him listen. He who has eyes to see, let him see. Lord, we want to be people who can see. We want to be people who can listen to the ways in which you are getting our attention. Help us do that pray this in Jesus' name. Amen. I realized this morning, and I was talking to Tim about this in the back, that anytime we take communion, Tim's often up here strumming and doesn't get to take it with us. So I'm going to have you take it with us. If you don't leave, because we got a song at the end, all right? And I don't sing. So um, go ahead, just take this with us. So this isn't a normal loaf of bread, right? This isn't a normal cup. We recognize this. This is, this is the way, though, we recognize and we, we celebrate communion today. When Jesus was, was doing this Last Supper, uh, he didn't break out a small cup and, and a little wafer like this. It was during a meal that was a traditional meal, a meal that those disciples had grown up, that Jesus had grown up doing year after year after year. That was the norm for them. That was the expected. They knew the language that would take place in between each piece of bread, in between each cup of wine. They, they knew the meaning behind it all. So then Jesus goes, and he goes outside the box on them. He goes unorthodox. He took the piece of bread, and he said he broke it, right? He gave thanks for it and broke it. And instead of saying what they normally would say, he said, this is my body, which is broken for you. Do this in remembrance of me. Let's take together. And in that same way, he took a cup that would have been part of a traditional meal. And he said, this cup is, it signifies my blood. It signifies a new covenant, the forgiveness of sins. He said, as you drink this, do this to remember me. So let's drink together. Jesus, we, we are so grateful for the outside-the-box way that you got your disciples' attention on that night. It would have surprised them. All the, all the disciples would have looked up like, well, what, are you, what are you saying, Jesus? And years later, 
It has so much depth and meaning to us. We ask, Lord, that you, 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 don't, you don't allow us to take this lightly, but that you help us see this was a way that you were getting our attention. The cross was a way that you were saying, I love you unconditionally. I'm willing to do whatever it takes so that you can be in a relationship with me. We are grateful for that. Help us see, Lord. Help us hear. Anytime you're wanting to communicate with us. I pray this in Jesus' name. Amen. Please stand with us as we...